This interview series is brought to you by the IIEA as part of our Global Europe project. Hello, my name is Ross Fitzpatrick and I'm a researcher on the Global Europe project at the Institute of International and European Affairs. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ireland's two new UNU delegates, Deandra Nivukula and Trasa Cadigan, who have kindly given up their time to tell us a bit more about their roles and ambitions as Ireland's um, youth delegates for the next year. This interview is part of the IIA's Global Europe project, which aims to address, analyze, and communicate the debate on the EU's role in the world and Ireland's role in the multilateral order, with a particular focus on Ireland's term as a non-permanent member of the UN Security Council for 2021-2022. So before we begin, let me briefly introduce Deandra and Trasa. So Deandra is an MSc International Public Policy and Diplomacy student at UCC, having graduated with an LLB and BSc in government, respectively. A 2018 Thomas Whalen scholar, she interned for Assemblymember Glick in the New York State Assembly. Deandra was UCC's Employability Star Awardee for 2020 and is currently the Director of HR and Talent for the Irish Student Consulting Group, a legal researcher with the Irish Legal Information Initiative, and a Cork Online Law Review Editorial Board member. Trasa Cadigan is from Cape Clear Island. She is a UNU delegate for Ireland and has a BSc in International Development and Food Policy. Trasa co-founded her local farmer's market and is an elected board member of her local development co-op. She is also SDG2 European Regional Focal Point for the UN Major Group for Children and Youth. And in 2020, Trasa received the Climate Ambassador Outstanding Achievement Award. So two very impressive CVs there. Um, so Deandra, I might, I might come to you first. Um, and just to start um, with a question, how did, how did you become uh, a UN Youth Delegate for Ireland? Hi Ross, thank you. So I suppose I will start with the technical requirements of becoming a UN Youth Delegate because I listened to your interview with last year's UN Youth Delegates, Tara Grace and Con, when I was preparing for my application, so it's always good to pay it forward. So in order to apply, you must be an Irish resident between the ages of 18 and 25. You must have experience in public speaking, event organization, social media, and have an interest in policymaking, public diplomacy, and be genuinely passionate about representing youth. I don't believe that there's any requirement for you to be a student or a graduate from higher education. I think that it just so happened that due to the age requirements of the program and I suppose the general societal expectation for young people now to finish their secondary education and move on to higher education, that Ireland's youth delegates so far since the program was established in 2015 have been students in higher education or graduates. Some have taken a gap year or have been working, so it really has been a mix. The selection process is via interview. So you submit your application and you may be called for interview a few weeks later. My interview was about 40 minutes in duration and it was two days after that I found out that I was successful and I didn't sleep for those two days. I take my sleep very seriously. So when I say I didn't sleep, I did not sleep. I burst out crying when I got the call. I was watching EastEnders and to be honest, I was getting many scam calls at the time. So I answered the phone very hesitantly, like, hello? instead of my usual like, hello, this is Deandra speaking. And the preceding few days, I was, I was still bawling crying. So for me, this program was a dream since 2015. I was 18 in 2015 and I'm 24 now. So I left it until my last year of eligibility to apply. But I think I realized the responsibility and the value of the program quite early on. So I knew that I wasn't going to apply until I knew and believed that it was my time. 
I think because I wanted it for so long as well and had either consciously or subconsciously been aligning myself with it in boosting my organization, public speaking, research, digital literacy skills, that it was and is the culmination of all of that for me. I think anyone is listening to this podcast as I was a few months ago in preparing for my application. Um, if you can honestly see yourself in the position, you can actually visualize yourself doing it you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't apply. Great. Um, thanks, Deandra. It sounds like a very competitive process. Um, all right. So kudos to both of you for, for making it this far. And I think there's some great advice there for, for anyone who may be listening in with, with an interest in applying um, next time around. Um, Trasa, if I, if I come to you next, um, so m maybe you could tell me a little bit about what you hope to achieve uh, in your role as a youth delegate uh, in the year ahead. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so I suppose from the get-go, the biggest um, aim for the year is to create sustainable, meaningful youth engagement at every level in Ireland. Um, so if that's, <clears throat> excuse me, so if that's at government level, um, UN level, um, or local level. And then I suppose what we hope to achieve is different. So you have, we work with the Department of Foreign Affairs and the mission um, at an international level on different policies and um, sessions and panels. And then at national level, um, we work with uh, Cordenog, uh, Kogal. I personally, I, I've um, been working with Kogal, Nanilon, and Cordenilon. Um, but also, then we speak to schools and people directly. So there's a big range of um, who we work with and what we hope to do because we hope to increase engagement as the year goes on. Brilliant. Sounds really interesting. And um, just looking at some of the work you've, you've both done already, you've both been, I think, You've got stuck in fairly fairly quickly to, to to some of the work and it must be difficult um during COVID as well not being able to to meet your peers uh in person uh deandra if i could turn to you again um i noted that you recently attended the second un youth delegates dialogue to discuss the un's um common agenda uh what what do you think are some steps which which might be taken to ensure better and and more diverse youth engagement as, as trasa just discussed in the work of the un Great. So I'll begin, if you don't mind, just by explaining what our common agenda is for anyone who's listening who isn't aware, because I actually wasn't aware until I began this program. So our common agenda is a report by the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, which looks 25 years ahead and what his vision for the future is. It covers many areas and there are multiple references to the report and there was actually a youth advisory group to the secretary general so i think that that was a great first step um, it is and will be negotiated over the coming weeks and months with different member states so it'll be very interesting to see what the ultimate ultimate outcome will be i think that it was a great second step for us to have that youth dialogue there were very high level actors at the meeting and it was great for them to be present, give up their time and give their honest opinions of how things are working at the moment and how they view things moving forward. I asked a question on behalf of I, the youth delegates of a number of countries at the meeting. I asked my question to the UN Youth Envoy Jayathma Vikramanayaka and Mr. Volker Turk, the UN ASG for Strategic Communication, on the importance of rebuilding the social contract that's identified as the defining challenge within the report so you know we need to look at how we're going to rebuild trust in our international institutions and organizations in our national governance governments and systems of governance 
I think especially because of COVID, many youth feel excluded from these systems. And I mean, they felt excluded before COVID. And now, of course, because everything is online, it just seems everything is so much further away. And the UN especially seems so far away. And the work of the UN might just seem like it's not having a direct impact on the lives of youth in you know, certain countries in particular. So it was great for us to have that first step. I think we have to rebuild a social contract and rebuild that trust before we can look at how we can bring in more diverse um, youth and youth engagement into the process of the UN. But I think having these first steps and the availability and the accessibility of the UN youth delegates who do represent the youths of their countries, that it was great for us to have that accessibility to represent them and come together and deliver joint statements to these high level actors for them to give up their time in that sense. Fantastic. Yeah, some, some really good points there, Deandra. Um, and just picking up on, on something you said with regard to youth feeling excluded from decision making processes and, and building a, a new social contract. Uh, turn to you, Trasa. Um, you, re you recently attended the, the climate conference COP26 in Glasgow. Um, and picking up on what Deandra just, just said there, um, how important would you say it is that youth voices are not just present in these negotiations, but also, you know, um, involved in the implementation of, of, of the climate action policies which are, which are decided? Yes, COP was an interesting one with youth engagement at every level, um, particularly in the blue zone. I unfortunately couldn't get into the blue zone when I was up there, but I did make the most of myself at side events and in the green zone. And I suppose speaking to other um, young people that were at COP and like who were in the blue zone and other Irish people that were in the blue zone, um, it was a big, a mixed bag of emotions. There were people who were allowed in, but only allowed to watch and not um, uh, speak up or not give their opinion. But I suppose from my experience outside, um, I have to say youth engagement was very present in the green zone and inside events. And there was a lot of, which I was really happy, um, it was very diverse. So there was indigenous knowledge and indigenous people. Um, intergenerational learning was quite a big thing outside of the blue zone, I'd like to point out. <laughs> um, it was, yes, but it is so important. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about sustainable, meaningful youth engagement, because it's lovely to have someone on a panel, like they do a lot of the time, um, have a young person, great, they're up there. Um, but unless you actually take their word and implement it, um, no more than the whole idea of intergenerational learning is so important, no more than we're going to turn around and not listen to anyone who's had 20 or 30 years experience. Um, I think it's so important and especially COP highlighted that lack, although it was a small bit increased, it was still a huge lack of young people's involvement meaningfully in policy change and in um, decision making processes. Yeah, really interesting. I mean, there, there is really a lack, like, as you both point out, but hopefully uh, in your roles as youth delegates over the next year, you can make a difference uh, to some extent in that regard. Um, just a, a final question for, for both of you, um, and Deandre, I might come to you first on this and then Trasa afterwards. Um, is, is there a country or an issue, perhaps a thematic issue that you'd like to see uh, highlighted more at say the Security Council or by the UN Secretary, Secretary General, um, could be anything. So Deandre, do you have any ideas on that one? 
Yeah, for me, it's something that I'm focusing part of my mandate on this year, and it would be youth, peace and security. I think Ireland has been such an amazing actor in pushing the women, peace and security agenda forward. Um, and, you know, we've been working with so many other countries and doing so many side events and raising such awareness of women, peace and security. And I think I read an article recently that said that we need to stop referring when we are referring to conflict areas, we need to stop referring to women and children as if they are one group. They both have intersecting experiences, but they also have completely different experiences. And it actually, I read it at a time when we were negotiating the policies and programs involving youth resolution. We were working with the Human Rights Unit and Conflict Resolution Unit within the Department of Foreign Affairs and the Irish Mission in New York in negotiating that resolution. And I was actually guilty of it, to be honest myself, because anytime that women were referenced in the document, I proposed putting in women and girls. And that probably wasn't the best way to go if I am now saying what I'm saying, that we should be focusing more on uh, youth, peace and security. Finland actually became the first country there recently to introduce a national action plan on uh, youth, peace and security. And I'm going to say it now to hold myself accountable. That is going to be something that I want to achieve and work with Ireland and the Department of Foreign Affairs on in implementing a national security plan for Ireland, a national security plan, a national action plan for the youth peace and security agenda this year. Brilliant. Um, that's a that's a fantastic goal. And uh, I, I think I recall your your predecessors, Tara and, and Con also speaking uh, about YPS when when they were uh, on this on this uh, podcast before. Uh, so it's great to see that continuity there. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what you can do in it uh, over the next year. Um, Trask, if I could turn to you, is there, is there an issue that, that you would like to focus on um, for the next year? I suppose carrying on from the, my involvement in the Food Systems Summit and at COP, I suppose the idea of food security and um, sustainable food systems is a huge one that I'd like to see carried on. Because after all the amazing work that was put into the Food Systems Summit and the pre-summit in Rome, um, there was very little about food at COP, which is a bit ironic because Food is one of the very few things that actually crosses every single one of the SDGs and you cannot achieve any of them without food security and no hunger. Um, so I suppose that is one that I'd like to continue focusing on. Um, and I suppose keep raising the awareness and keep that momentum going after the um, Food System Summit, um, I think is a really, really important one. And especially with Ireland, with the negotiations about COP and the new ones I saw there, the Department of, Foreign, or the Department of Agriculture put it up this morning. Um, they're doing a consultation, which I think is wonderful to get all the different stakeholders involved in the new um, uh, policy and negotiations. So that's one that I'd like to focus on and continue. Fantastic. Um, I think the department there really looking to have both of you with, with your expertise and, and knowledge. Um, so yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I think we've, we've come to the end of our, of our chat uh, today. Um, just like to, to thank you both for, for your engagement and your really interesting um, insights. Uh, I'd also like to wish you all the very best on behalf of the IIA in the year ahead um, and look forward to seeing all your accomplishments uh, over the course of the next year. Um, if you'd like to learn more about the Global Europe Project and check out other um, podcasts, please check out our website and social media feeds. Um, thanks for listening. 
This interview series is brought to you by the IIEA as part of our Global Europe project.